What's happening, everybody? On today's show, our buddy Chris Marler will join us for his weekly visit. We'll discuss what happened this past weekend. We'll also preview a full SEC Week 5 slate, one of our few weeks where we get full SEC on SEC action, so seven games. And we'll debut a new segment called Top 10 Sentences. If I had told you six months ago, you would have had me locked up. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with the eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. We welcome in our weekly guest, our buddy Chris Marler from the Saturday Football Uncensored Podcast. Marler, how the heck are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It was a fun weekend of football. It was a really, really fun weekend of football from start to finish. Um, so that was great. And, you know, Bama's still in contention, which was not something I was super confident about going to last week. But, yeah, another good weekend coming up. I feel like there's like a lot more depth to this week's schedule, so I'm excited for it. All right, we're going to debut a new segment, so uh, let's just jump right into it as we debut Top 10 Sentences about 2023 SEC football. If I had told you six months ago, you would have had me locked up. Yeah. It's a, it's a short title. It's, uh, <laughs> it's It didn't even fit on the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into this, Marla. The concept is, if I had come to you in February and said, this is my prediction, this is what I'm predicting, you would have went, what the hell is wrong with you? And, yeah. and the first segment, you know, Brady Cook, four weeks in, he's going to have Mizzou undefeated. He's going to be rolling. And Eli Drinkwitz has a chance to win the East. Now, part of that sentence seems a little bit still untrue. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, like, like winning the East, I don't think is, is going to happen. But I, I, I would have I would have thought you were crazy if you said that, that Mizzou was going to be undefeated because Mizzou's really – I thought Mizzou was going to be really good, especially on defense. He's been incredible. Like, he's been incredible. Like, if you would have told me Luther Burden was going to have a breakout season, would have 1,000% believed that. But Brady Cook was considered to be the guy that was, like, going to hold them back this entire season. You yep. talk about, like, people talking about, like, should we start Sam Horn instead, like, in the, for, like, the future and, and maybe maybe concede a couple, like, you know, maybe toss-up wins this year. Brady Cook has been one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the SEC this year. They wouldn't even He wouldn't even name him the starter week one. Remember, it was like, oh, it might be Sam Horn. We don't know. Yeah. And, like, he has played his butt off. Nice wins over Kansas State, over Memphis. And if they win at Vandy this week, man, LSU coming to town a week later, and they could be 5-0, yeah. and oh, that's, that's going to be incredible to see. Um, my other Mizzou statement related, you know, I think Cody Schrader has a chance to lead the SEC in rushing this year. He currently does. Four weeks into the season, Cody Schrader leads the SEC in rushing yards. That That is something I – I mean, like, I would have immediately assumed somebody like Rocket Sanders was injured, which he is. But then I would have assumed something like, well, what about Quinshawn? Jace, Jace McClellan? What about, yeah, like, I mean, like, what, what about Quinshawn? What about, like, and I could also see Quinshawn's numbers going down a little bit just because of what they were supposed to have with, like, through the air game. But, like, yeah, 
like I mean, what about anybody at Georgia? Like like all these things, I I'm shocked, shocked. But it's been it's that that they've been a lot of fun to watch. How about this statement? And again, if you would have told me this in February, I would have called you crazy. You know, Joe Milton might not be very good. <laughs> no, I would have a thousand percent agreed with that. I, I think I would that would have been like a statement coming from my Twitter multiple times a week. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. He is good. I still think he's gonna be a first round draft pick because you and I both know what happens every April because he's gonna show up to the combine in February and he's gonna throw a ball eighty five yards in the air. Yep. And and then he'll run a four six and everyone's gonna be like, What? You can't teach that. Like, you know, you got to get this guy. Like, I mean, Anthony Richardson went fourth overall. Right. Like, you know, and, and I, I still think there's time for him to improve in the offense. They've got a lot more bigger games or a lot more big games coming up. But, I mean, he's got to start this weekend because, you know, if you would have told me that Spencer Rattler would have been the clear-cut QB1 out of these two in this Saturday's game, that I probably would have had a hard time believing. Yeah, Milton is currently 10th in the SEC in passing completion percentage. Just 62% of his passes. That's 11th. Peyton Thorne is completing more passes at a better rate than Joe Milton. Crazy. Yeah, but he's only competed. He's only completed like 11 total passes. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. He was like four of six last week or something. So bad. Uh, That brings me to my next statement. And again, if I told you this in February, you'd have been like, you're crazy. Hugh Freeze has a real problem on offense. (laughs) What? I mean, yeah, I think that part would have been kind of, kind of, like, I. A real problem. I tell you what's crazy to me is I kept banging the drum for the fact that all offseason, like Hugh Freeze is his offense is not Gus Malzahn's offense. Like people confuse those two because it's like hurry up, you know, up tempo, hurry up, no huddle, all that kind of stuff. And they kind of came around at the same exact time, like early 2010s, right? But Malzahn's offense is completely predicated off the run. And is Hugh Freeze's offense, while they do, like they, you know, they focus on the run a decent amount of times, like, it's a it's a throwing and passing offense. Like Bo Wallace was a three thousand yard passer two seasons in a row. Like Chad Kelly led the SEC in in passing yards. I think in in, in touchdowns like his that uh, twenty fifteen season when they led the entire conference in like almost every offensive category. I'm shocked that they they're this bad because I, I threw out a stat here on Sunday and and it's it's kind of made the rounds a little bit on Twitter. But like they threw for fifty six combined yards passing in in College Station this weekend. That is the fifth straight game against Power 5 opponents they've been held to under 100 yards passing. Auburn is second to last in total offense in the SEC through the first four weeks. I mean, that's just, what are, what are we doing, Hugh Freeze? Like, get, get yeah. it figured out. Uh, how about this sentence? And again, if I told you this was February, you might have said I was nuts. Alabama's offensive line isn't very good, and four weeks in, Bama will be dead last in the SEC in total offense. They are. Are they dead last? Yes. In yard in no. to, in total yards yard in in total yards fourteen fifty nine. I hate everything you just said. Like the <laughs> offensive line thing would have shocked me more than anything. Like right the the the, the total offense thing. I'd be like, oh well, you know, they're probably putting up a lot of points or like, but they're, which they're not. Like like it would have been. I would have found a, like a way to try and spin that in my own dumb fragile head because I wouldn't have wanted to believe it. The offensive line thing is scary bad. They had five. Now they did a really good job of making making uh, adjustments in the second half of that game against against Ole Miss. Like, but going into that game, they they had given up back to back games with five sacks for the first time I think in like in the Saban era or like since like 2007 under Saban. They gave up four in the first half. Like they they're, they've given up the second most sacks in the conference, and that's only one behind South Carolina, who has easily the worst line in the SEC. That's Bama's like a, a eyelash ahead of them. 
Bama's offense uh, averaging 364 yards per game. That's just fa- that's four yards behind Auburn. So just to let you that's know how, so bad. how bad it, it is. Now the South Florida yeah. game skewed a lot. So yeah. let's just I'll say this for the record. If they started Jalen or if they started Milrow against South Florida, they would have put up more yards, would have scored more points, would have looked a lot better. But we had to teach him a lesson and bench him, right, Nick Saban? Anyway, it worked. Uh, our next uh, statement that's just crazy. Um, and again, this is like if I'd made this prediction to you back in February and was said, you know, four weeks in, I still have questions about Georgia. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like that would have been shocking. Because like, here's the thing too about Georgia. I've I've said here all along, like they haven't gelled, they haven't put together a complete game. You look up at the end of the games, and and the scoreboard reflects what we think we would see, right? They, they're putting up almost 50 points a game. They're putting over 40 points a game, and, and they're blowing people out and by three, four touchdowns. But that being said, they're not exactly lighting the world on fire on, on offense or really on defense. Like, yep. defense has been good, but it's like there's not a lot of sacks. Like, I, like they, they haven't been, like, at least through, through, you know, I think they had four total sacks through the South Carolina game. I don't know what they had to be. The issue with Georgia that's concerning is, it's not even the slow starts because, because again, you finish the 60 minute football game. They're finishing very, very strong. But the fact that they're getting like the, the schedule, the strength of schedule right now is 110th in the country. They played Ball State, UT Martin, UAB and South Carolina. All of those games have been at home, all of them. And they've been kind of lackluster in all four. And I just, you know, I think Carson Beck's played. I think he's been really a lot better than people are giving him credit for. I think he's been really, really good. Um, even though the numbers might not say that, and he's made a couple mistakes, but Georgia's a team is like, what are we doing? Yeah. By the way, good to your point on the defense. Last year, they gave up a total of ten points over their first three games, and one of those was against number eleven Oregon in their opener, where they mm-hmm. gave up what like three points. Three. The, the year before, they gave up three points in their opener to Clemson. Remember, like played yeah. good teams, defense dominant. They just gave in week four. They just gave up twenty one to UAB. So. It's not terrible. It's just not right. dominant that we're used to seeing from Georgia. So, yeah. Uh, our next statement again, if I'd said this in February, you might have said I was nuts. Florida's strength is their defense. That I would have probably believed because the offense had le- left a lot to be desired, especially going into the season with Graham Mertz. Um, and then you, you bring in like the new office or the new defensive coordinator, the guy that was at Bama for a minute and, and Saban really wanted him. And then he gets you know, bought up over there and goes to Gainesville. I, they've been fun to watch. Like, I mean, like, well, let me take that back. They have not been fun to watch. They've, they've been they've fun won, to They beat Charlotte, like, what, 22 to 3 or something? Yeah, it was real bad. They scored one offensive touchdown. Um, I, you know, I, I think that, like, they've got they've got a – they're fun to to cheer for a little bit just because the, the idea that Florida was going to be so bad and how tough the schedule was and how, like – this like gauntlet of a season they were going to have to go through the next two years and would Napier keep his job? Like I, I was wondering because because you look at what they had coming back and you look at what they've had over the past two years and then you're like God, it's like you know they, they've got Florida State and Georgia built into that schedule and then Tennessee and all those other games. I wouldn't have necessarily disagreed with that, but um, it has been it's been this weekend will be very interesting to see what the, that team has. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Florida, by the way, number two in the SEC in points allowed per game right now, tied with Bama. 13.5 points given up per game. That's pretty yeah. damn impressive. What a turnaround from those Dan Mullen years where, yeah. God, it was atrocious. Um, this next one is kind of – this is more for my SEC circle or LSU circle people, but the sentence is, Jaden Daniels is the best passer in the SEC. 
I say that sounded crazy in February because there were still LSU fans convinced Garrett Nussmeyer is a better quarterback, a better thrower of the football than Jaden right. Daniels. So kind of crazy to think that here we are four weeks in the season. He's the best passer in the SEC. But you could have said that three weeks ago, and, and LSU fans and a lot of people from around <laughs> the country would have also had you locked up. Because like, that, that was like the, the number one complaint coming from that game against Florida State was that he just can't throw the ball downfield. He goes to Mississippi State, lights the world on fire there. It was like 30 of 34. They were incredible. Like, I mean, he was incredible. Him and Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors is a guy that I was not sold on going into this season, admittedly because I hadn't watched enough of Malik Neighbors over the past couple seasons. And he has been incredible all year long. Um, it seems unguardable right now. And, and and that's the team that's played, you know, Arkansas at home at Mississippi State. I mean, they, they've played three of their four games against Power 5 teams and two in the conference already. LSU has, has been challenged. They're going to get challenged again this weekend. But they're a lot of fun to watch. And I tell you what's, what's good about this LSU team is that with Jaden Daniels, last year it kind of took until, like, the Ole Miss game in, like, mid-October for them to start clicking and, like, really getting the offense going. It kind of seems like it's already there, um, which is a great thing to see from them, especially after that, that first loss against FSU. And one note, there, when what we're seeing is when teams are double-teaming Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. has emerged as a number two. It was kind of what Malik did with Kayshawn Booty last year. Yeah. When Kayshawn got double-teamed, Malik emerged – now they got that number two guy, dangerous uh, moving forward for, for defenses yeah. in the SEC. All right, we got two more statements. Again, if I had said this in February, you might have called me nuts. Hey, Jimbo and Bobby Petrino are really gelling wonderfully. <laughs> like they are. The offense is yeah, running I mean, well. Yeah, it's it's weird because I, I like it because it makes DJ Durkin out to be the bad guy. Between those three, it's it's that is like if you were playing a game of Kill, Mary, Screw, it's just like kill, kill, kill. I mean, they they are – and DJ Durkin actually did that, so there's that. Um, no, <laughs> DJ Durkin is the worst. Uh, and it's I, – I would have been shocked to tell if you told me – like if you told me the offense was going to be good, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I can see that. If you told me it would have been like so much better than the defense, I would have been shocked because that is an NFL-ready – from like a, a, a recruiting standpoint, defensive line. Like they're so deep and talented from like, you know, like I said, like high school recruiting and star standpoint, they've got dudes on that defense and that front seven, um, but they've been great on offense. I will say that like both of them look a lot better with, with Stewart and Everett Stewart coming back at receiver because he's been yeah. awesome. Uh, my last uh, crazy statement. And again, this is just crazy to even think uh, in year four, Sam Pittman has a bad offensive line. Like, I think, I think Sam Pittman, the two things he does well is recruit and have good O-lines. How does he yeah. not have a good O-line or dependable O-line in year four? It's concerning. And, like, if all the things you would think that you'd be concerned about going into this season from last year, you lost both coordinators for the first time, like the continuity was going to be off, but you had KJ Jefferson coming back, and you, you, you were supposed to have Rocket Sanders even though he's been injured. Like, I, I, that being such a weak spot, like, I mean, like, like you saw it in KJ's face this weekend against LSU. Just like, I mean, I, I said it on this podcast like two weeks ago. I was like, you know, KJ Jefferson's Superman. I still kind of stand by it, but he can't do it all on his own. Like, he, he just can't. There's nothing else around him, really, besides that that freshman tight end who's, who's you know, not very experienced, but had a, has been glimpses of being really good. Luke Hass. He has been, uh, he's been really, really good. All right. We'll uh, get into this week's games with Chris Marler in just a second right here on Locked on SEC. First, I want to tell you guys this episode is presented to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Look, if you need fresh groceries for the week, but you don't have the time to go to the store, try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your favorite restaurants, and now you can get grocery deliveries that actually 
deliver to. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood. Boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or they're going to make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And if you want even more value, you could save on all your groceries at favorite restaurants with a $0 delivery free fee on all eligible orders with the Dash Pass membership. With each substitution's right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use our promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20. No minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter that promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that is code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Go take advantage of it today and get started on this weekend. Continue on with our buddy Chris Marler of the uh, college, Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. I don't know why that just changed. There we go. Uh, and uh, Marler, we got to dive back into it because we've got a uh, ton of games to jump into. We're going to save some of the, um, the headliner games for uh, our second segment, but I do want to dive into a few of them. And let's start with... Uh, uh, let's start with an early one, and, and this one actually might be one of the, the better games. Texas A&M and Arkansas, it's on the SEC Network, 11 a.m. Central, 12 Eastern, A&M a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is just always – it always feels like a dogfight. It always feels close. Yeah. Um, you know, A&M has gotten the, the benefit of the doubt the last couple times, but it was one that Arkansas won a lot early on. So where are you in these two teams? It feels like Arkansas, you're, you're desperate for a win here, man, after losing That's two good. in a row. Yeah, it, it, and like the the conversation about Sam Pittman possibly being on the hot seat at the end of the season, if it continues to get worse, the B the BYU thing, I, people were very upset about that. I don't BYU is not like terrible. They're not Vandy, but that's not kind of how people like took the loss for some reason. Right? Navy's just in the way they lost and, and having a lead. But I mean, I will say that it does. Excuse me, it does feel kind of like a must win. I think Arkansas is in a good spot here. Like, like part of me wants to just take A and M to cover, but it, it is always a close game. It seems like right last game last year was a crazy game that really kind of derailed A and M seemingly for the rest of the season. The way they lost that game, yeah, A and M lost that game, right? Um, or was it Arkansas? There was I just remember there was there was it was A and M one right because then Arkansas fumbled at the goal line. They were they were dominating. Right. They were going in. KJ fumbles going over the top. Yeah. and A and M returns it all the way back. You're right. You're right. And then there was like that. I think there was like a weird, weird field goal or something like that. I've been the year before. There's always something in this game. The other thing is this: if you're a And M, a And M's got Bama coming to town next week, and you know that that is a big, big spot for them. You've got a a, a wounded Bama team coming in with a quarterback that has not really been. He hasn't played on the road besides that Arkansas game last year, where he threw for three total yards passing um, in the second half and two over Bryce. Is this a look-ahead spot for AM? I kind of feel like it might be. So I, I think it's close. I think AM wins because I think they're a better football team. I think this might be the game where those, those defensive linemen kind of start to take over and, and play like we thought they should play just because of the fact that you've got a, a pretty bad offensive line. Yeah, I look at it. AM has been – that defense has been getting going. They were so disruptive against Auburn this past weekend. I almost look – the Miami game might be an outlier, and – I start to look at it and go, if A&M beats Arkansas and they get more confidence going, God, that game against Bama sets up. You know, you almost, if you're a Bama fan, you almost want A&M to lose this, to be a little deflated, to drop to three and two, 
kind of you know rumblings of yeah. Jimbo and the buyout start up again. You almost want that if you're Bama because if A&M wins and wins convincingly, my God, I mean that that stage is set for the game against Bama next weekend. It'll be yeah. like sharks with blood in the water. Agreed. Completely agree. Let's get to our another one, and this is uh, it, it's an underrated game. Missouri, you know, this is more so just Mizzou being ranked. I mean, they're they're number twenty three in the country yeah. right now. Going to Vandy, Vandy, it's falling apart right now. Um, mm-hmm. AJ Swan may not go if they start have to start Ken Seals. I'm taking Mizzou minus the, that thirteen. It's a big number, but yeah. uh, where are you with Mizzou Vandy? Is it at Vandy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I, I kind of thought like the the line for Kentucky was a little bit low last week, and and Vandy Vandy can score a little bit. We've seen the Mizzou's defense be a little bit um, shaky, especially in the in like the passing game and kind of give up some explosive plays. We saw it against Kansas State. Um, it was a close game against MTSU. Even that game, it never really felt like it was super in doubt. It was more of like a rock fight type game, like a like a low scoring basketball game almost. I think that Vandy. I mean, I think like Mizzou should take care of business. I wouldn't bet on this game at all. 13 seems about right because I think it's going to be one of those games where it's like, I'm assuming it's an early start. You're going to Nashville. It's going to be a half-full stadium. It's under construction. <laughs> it's like, like what? You're playing in a developed neighborhood, basically. Like, like just Winsong Trace is like where they're going to be playing this stupid game. <laughs> um, so I think that that'll be interesting. But I also think that with LSU coming down next week, it's another spot for a look-ahead so, again, I would not bet it. I think Mizzou obviously wins this game, though. Mizzou's good, man. They should be ranked. Yeah, this is Vandy's uh, fourth home game already. It's pretty crazy. Who, who do you think you are? Georgia playing this many home games to start the year? Um, so, we'll see We'll see what happens there. All right, at night, this is a fun one. Eight Central on ESPN, nine Eastern. So, for you in the Eastern time zone, this one sucks. It's number 12 Alabama at Mississippi State. Bama around a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. But that said, this has to be the lowest line in this game in recent years because it feels like Bama's yeah. always fair by like t- minus 26 and a half against Mississippi State. But Nick Saban, how about going to the podium Monday and going, oh, man, we're going to fit. This is probably our toughest test we've, we've faced in the last couple weeks. I'm like, wait, toughest test? Mississippi yeah. State who got their brains beat in by LSU and then got into a shootout with Mississippi State or, or with, uh, with South Carolina? Like Mississippi State's going to be your toughest test? Well, they're going on the road for the first time oh. besides South Florida. So, I mean, oh. that part might be a little bit difficult. And you got a first-year quarterback that hasn't had a start on the road because he didn't play against South <laughs> right. Florida. So, I think that part <laughs> is going to be tough. And you also have to sit there and manage expectations because now it's like, you know, like, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm i fluent in saving coach speak. So, I can tell you what he meant. I mean, like, I, I, I don't think he's that far off base, even though it's like, yeah, Texas is a tougher game. Ole Miss is a big game. But now it's about – the season's not over, right? Like you got to start managing. Ex- you you got to start like stacking weeks on top of each other, having like the the ability in the locker room to get up for another game. Because, like, how does this team? How does this team respond to it? They didn't respond well to a loss. How do they respond to a big win? Because now you got to go in and make sure you still focus, which was already an issue going into the Texas game. Tough to do because it's the biggest game on the schedule for the, like the whole year. Possibly, are they going to be able to stay focused? Like how does how does Milrow look on the road? I, there's a lot of questions here. I think they win. I mean, Mississippi State hasn't scored. Mississippi State has scored one touchdown against Alabama in the last three years combined, and it came on the last play of the game in last year's game. So I think Bama will be fine. That, that was air raid, though, brother. This is a whole new offense that no one really yeah, knows. No one really knows what the hell it is. We did see Will Rogers get back to vintage Will Rogers last week, though, mm-hmm. throwing for 400 yards. So if he does that this week against Bama, maybe a shootout. I don't know, but. 
Bama's defense did look much improved last week, so let's see how they respond. Dallas Turner, welcome back. Good to see you yeah. for the first time this season. Uh, one more this segment, then we'll get into some of the other games. How about the SEC game of the week? I just f- find it interesting that uh, CBS picking this game up as their uh, their official 230-330 Eastern game. Georgia at Auburn, I get it. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry and all that. But, man, does Auburn look bad right now. Georgia, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. I've heard a lot of people say, how's the line that close? Yeah, this this is either Vegas knows something or this is like a Joe Biden handout game. I mean, this is like – this is – I mean, they are – you're talking about a, 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 like they've won 15 of the last 18 games against Auburn, and it really hasn't been something that's been like super competitive with Kirby. Like, I mean – I know they lost there in 2017. It, the, the 2019 game, which was like a one-score game, but it wasn't. They were up 21 nothing in the first half. I mean, and Georgia might get Ladd McConkey back. Like, how does the offense look? Because here's the thing. I thought going into the season, this was a sleepy spot for Georgia where you're talking about an Auburn team that could be coming in. I, I thought they might be 4-0, 3-1, whatever. Um, but you're talking about getting them at home in like a raucous environment. Maybe like, you know, everyone believes in Hugh. I just thought that where they'd be able to get him is the the offense and being able to come in with like, you know, an offense that's going to be able to put up points and, and test Georgia because we saw Hugh Freeze do it at Ole Miss and all that. This offense sucks. I mean, it's bad. It is so bad. Well, we'll see. It's Carson Beck's first road test too. So, you know, how does he respond if he throws a couple picks and that Auburn crowd is rocking? That's the big thing. People yeah. are saying Jordan Hare is going to be packed. It's going to be sold out. They'll be loud. Maybe that's a way that Auburn can keep it close. Uh, we saw yeah. when Cadillac took over last year, that stadium was rocking, and they won some games that maybe people thought they weren't going to. So maybe well, and here, real quick, the, the the only losses that Kirby has on the road, I think I think going into last year he was like twenty two and four in SEC games on the road. So I think he's probably twenty six and four or something like that. All four of those losses have come to SEC West teams. They've all come by an average of twenty point six points per game. Now, granted, those are LSU, Bama than the 2017 Auburn game and 2016 Ole Miss. But that 2016 game with Ole Miss, much different team, but the same head coach. So, I mean, if they're, if you're looking for, like, there's not a lot of cracks in the foundation of what Kirby's built there, but if you're looking for one thing you could possibly say is, is something you could shake your head at or point out that's that might not be great, it's the fact that he's he struggled on the road at times against, against um, SC West teams. All right, three more games to get to with Chris Marler. We'll do that in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. Look, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why our friends at Jace Medical are offering the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. It is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. You don't want to get caught unprepared. Go check them out at jacemedical.com. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical. Use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. At checkout, put that in as your promo code at jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. Make sure you are prepared for the unexpected. Jace Medical helping you guys out. All right, we continue on with our buddy Chris Marler getting into the uh, other games of SEC Week 
five and Marler, we get to an early one. I'm actually disappointed this is an early one. I know Mark Stoop said, hey, look, folks at the Commonwealth, they're going to drink their beers. They're going to do their part. They're going to show up loud and proud and uh, come rowdy. But Florida at Kentucky. Florida has is ranked again. They are number 22. Kentucky undefeated. And Kentucky just a one-point home favorite. Yeah, this is this is gonna be a fun game. This has been a fun game a lot. I feel like over the past like five six years, um, sometimes crazy endings like that. Twenty seventeen game always cracks me up um, when they Kentucky forgot to run a tenth player on the field uh, twice. Which I mean, you know, if, if he, if, I'm still surprised that Mark Soup didn't get hired at Notre Dame after what we saw on Saturday. Then <laughs> um, I, I think that like this game will be interesting because Devin Leary has not been as advertised. I thought he was going to come in and be really, really good. And, and I still think he's an upgrade, especially from a projection standpoint um, in what he's able to do at the college level than like over Will Levis, but he's not been nearly as good as we thought, right? The offense is like, is not really, it doesn't feel like they've put together a complete game as an offense where they were good on the ground. They were good in the air and they didn't make a lot of mistakes and all that kind of stuff. It'll be interesting to see what Florida looks like. This is their second road game. Obviously, they they struggled against Utah. Graham Mertz has been awesome. Like he's been awesome. He's been a very very efficient game manager in that offense. Um, you can tell that he's getting more and more comfortable by the week, and they can run the football. So, I I wonder what like this this is like. We talked about the the Auburn Georgia game that used to be like you know who, like who's man enough type game, like a very physical, bloody your nose type type ball game. That's exactly what this is going to be. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're Florida, it just feels like you can't go back to Gainesville saying we lost three in a row to Kentucky. And it's no offense to no. Kentucky. It's just you're a prideful program. You can't – you've dominated them for, what, 30-something years? Like, you can't you can't lose yeah. three in a row to Kentucky. But Kentucky's good. And, and if Devin Leary protects the football, takes care of it, uh, I think they got a great chance to win. Austin Armstrong, that really good defense he's got going there. All right, next up we got – LSU Ole Miss, it's it's not a night game. It's not a day game. It's a 5 o'clock game. It's a weird time on ESPN 5 Central. Uh, LSU is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite going to Ole Miss. LSU having just won their first two SEC games. Ole Miss playing their first uh, SEC game and coming up short against uh, Nick Saban in Alabama. What's Ole Miss's psyche here? That's my question. Like, are they going to come in deflated and go, oh, God, it's happening again? This happened last year. We won a couple games, felt good. And then suddenly we got in conference play and things started to go sideways. Yeah, you, you people forget this. They were 7-1 and one, ranked 11th in the country when they played Alabama last year. And the wheels flat out came off. Um, they lost five straight games to, to in the season, right? Like, I mean, it's it was a very, very bad end to the season. Um yeah, I I think this is it'll be interesting to see what this team looks like um, and how they respond and and how you know I, the thing that worries me this I, I was saying this today or, or yesterday on radio and like one of the things that concerns me if you're talking about about Lane Kiffin is um, I wonder if like I don't think his the ceiling of this team they've reached a ceiling on, for this team I wonder if his maturity as a coach has reached a ceiling because. He is is a guy that like he just seems to have become very very well liked obviously and 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 everyone loves Kiffin he's great on social media and he's done a great job with that program and and everyone seems to like him he's and he's you know before the Bama game people talk about him taking over for Saban and last year he you know flirts with Auburn and now it's like man he spent all last week doing the same kind of crap that he did in like 20, 2009 lane or 2010 yep. 11 12 lane that's what I'm concerned about. And I tell you who's not going to do any of that crap on the other sideline is Brian Kelly and this LSU offense, which seems to be laser-focused. You heard it in the broadcast if you were watching at home like the rest of us, you know, 
average folk, not like you, that was getting to watch it from the the press box. But like, you know, they were brought, they brought in the pot or the. Uh, I was on the, the field broadcast. for part of it too. So sick, dude, sick. Um, they were talking about it on the broadcast. They were like, you know, Jaden Daniels and his receivers get to the 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 um, facility every morning at five thirty and watch tape together. And you can tell this team has really gelled, especially on offense. Um, do they put a full game together on defense? Because that is an offense for Ole Miss that was first in the SEC in yards per game, I think points per game. They were also averaging 10 plays over 20 yards uh, or more in, in each of their first three games before they went to Tuscaloosa. Do they get back to, to you know, basics with that when they get back to, to Vaught Hemingway? I don't know. Well, I throw the numbers against Mercer out because who, who cares about that one? But a few things here. Caden Priestcorn is supposed to be a little bit healthier now. We'll see if he plays a bigger role. That's the big tight end that was supposed to be a big part. But how about this? Caden Priestcorn? Priestcorn, yeah, from Memphis. Okay. But tight end Michael Trigg, reports are that he is no longer with the team. He had a huge touchdown in that two-lane game a few weeks ago. If he's not on the team, what what does that do to the psyche? Uh, yeah. Trey Harris finally seemed to be getting healthy. He played a little bit last week. And Zachary Franklin as well. So if Ole Miss is starting to get a lot of their offensive weapons back and healthy, maybe. Here's the big key in this one, Marler. If LSU stubs their toe at all, if they have to settle for field goals yeah. and Ole Miss answers with touchdowns and that place gets rocking, Vaughn Hemingway's rocking, Ole Miss has a chance at the upset. So we'll, uh, we'll certainly yeah, watch 65, that. 65,000 rocking dudes named Jace and a bunch of Vineyard Vine vests should be a hellacious environment for, for LSU. Hey, man, don't underestimate the baby blue. It is, uh, it's dangerous at times. All right, the yeah. last one, the, uh, the big one at night on the SEC Network, it is South Carolina at Tennessee, the revenge game. Everybody in Knoxville has been saying, this is for hurting Hendon. This is for taking the Heisman yeah. away from him. This is from ruining our season. We were going to the playoff. All the Tennessee fans, they're, they're fired up in this one, but watch out because Spencer Rattler is on a heater right now. Was it? Wasn't it a non-contact injury? Yeah, but they they still they're angry about it. They're angry about everything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I think this will be interesting because because here's the thing: Spencer Rattler is playing the best football, um, the best football out of any other quarterback in uh, the country. Um, it, it, the country. I'm sorry, the SEC. Sorry, I got distracted for a second. I think he's playing better than anybody um, in the SEC. The other thing is. I think that this secondary is probably playing the worst in the SEC. And if you're talking about a get-right game, like a get-right game for, uh, what do you call it, for for this offense with Joe Milton, it's this one. I mean, Will Rogers, I, I was I think I said it on here last week, I was praising um, Zach Arnett and going into that game where against Arizona where they go to double overtime and, and, and Will Rogers only has, what was it, like, it's like 24 attempts or 17 attempts passing. And it was like, well, look at him. He's sticking to his guns on the offense and, and like their identity and all that kind of stuff. That's so great. Well, then last week, they just, this is going to shock you. They take the best player they've had in that program over the last three, four years, and they let him loose. And he goes for 487 yards against a, a South Carolina team. I mean, he he did what Carson Beck couldn't do to that team. He did what even, even Drake May couldn't do to that team. So I wonder if Joe Milton's able to get back. The other thing is this, like, I... I think South Carolina can hang, but I don't think this game can be won with just Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett. I, I just don't. And, and I think that that's going to be interesting to see if they're able to have more pieces fall in place. Is there, Are we finally going to see Nick Harbor break out? Or are we going to see Tennessee do what they do? Because here's the other thing with Tennessee. Tennessee's front seven has been very good. They weren't in the Florida game, but they have been against lesser competition. And I'm not saying South Carolina is lesser competition, but that offensive line is bad. And the front seven for Tennessee is one of the most underrated 
units, I think, in, in the entire conference. And, and I think they're going to get after Spencer Rattler's behind all day. Look yeah. at me not cuss him. Yeah, Shane Beamer said today, he said, uh, he said the O-line is showing improvement. They're progressing, but he said, quote, we're not ready to give them the Joe Moore award yet. So um, kind of a little dig at his O-line saying, guys, you all yeah. have to get better. Now, the key for South Carolina, they couldn't run the f- football at all through the first three weeks. They were like, we're oh. the worst in, in football. They ran the ball a little bit this past week against Mississippi State. Mario Anderson actually got some ground game going. He had over, He's mm-hmm. got over 120 rushing yards on the season. So we'll see if that plays a factor. But who rushes the football better than Tennessee? One of the mm-hmm. best in the SEC at running the football. Dylan Sampson, incredible game last week. Jabari Small. Samsonite. Yeah, Jalen uh, Wright, uh, Jabari Small, those guys. That's what's going to help win this game. But Joe Milton, no mistakes. Can't uh, can't mess up. Where where do you fall on that uh, on that line there, though? Tennessee minus 12 and a half. Is it that big? Yeah. That's what she said. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't take this. I, I tell you what I would take. Whatever the over is in the first half and for the game, I think the over is like 63. 63. Hammer. Yeah. Hammer. What is, I, whatever. Listen, I love – Tennessee has let me down in one game this season in the first half, but I, I this is a system play with Tennessee. Tennessee to score first. Tennessee has scored first in, I believe, like – 26 of their last 31 games under Heupel. Um, and, and so I, if uh, take that, I think they, this, this is going to, this, it, this environment is going to be off the charts. Now we've also seen South Carolina play their best football consistently in the first half of games closer against North Carolina in the, in the first half. Spencer Rattler was awesome against Georgia in the first half. And then last week they were great as well. I don't think he missed a pass in the first half. So whatever the first half overs, I would take that as well. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun, man. He is Chris Marler, of course, the uh, Saturday Football Uncensored podcast, and uh, also known for making some incredible enchiladas. So go enjoy your uh, your dinner. I will, man. I appreciate you having me. I, this is my favorite part of the week every week. So um, I will see you next. Uh, can't say that. We can't say it. You you won't you won't be back next week. No, I will. But we record on Tuesday, so I can't say like. Don't tell people that. It's no, we Wednesday. On Thursday live. No, it's Wednesday. Anybody Wednesday. listen to this? It's Wednesday. All right, Marler, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks. All right, that's Chris Marler of the College Football Uncensored Podcast. That is it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back and check us out tomorrow. we got plenty more to discuss as we get into SEC, more SEC Week 5 news and notes and tons of stuff. We'll also have a crossover edition later this week, previewing that LSU Ole Miss game as well. Uh, Thanks for watching Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.